This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the it's air. Good. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. The pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. My name is Drew Pastoric. Thrilled to be joined once again by Plez Honeywood of the Champagne Room. We're minus the third amigo today. Uh, <laughs> Brant Dolce uh, golfing in Branson, Missouri. Nothing says I'm not old like golfing in Branson, Missouri. So hopefully he gets an autograph from like the Mandrell sisters while he's out there. <laughs> and if you get that reference, I will Venmo you five dollars. Uh, <laughs> lots on the docket today. Um, I wasn't even sure, Plez, we were going to do a podcast this week, and then our whole lives got flipped upside down like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, we released our list of our like all-time starting five or players we would draft, you know, for the Illini to be on a team, and whoo, boy. People had some things to say about that. <laughs> so we'll talk a lot about that, the reaction. And then we did get a response from someone we might not have expected to get a response from. So we'll talk about that too. Um, also, kind of recapping the last six months or the first six months of the athletic year. Lots going on. And uh, we'll try to get you caught up on some of that, share some of our favorite moments, our favorite memories from the half year and also some some big shakeups going on in the broadcasting world, the sports media world. Yeah, you and I both have some takes on that as well. Uh, but I wanted to start with picking up where we left off last week uh, in honor of the NBA draft. In case you missed it, we discussed, you know, Brandon Pajimski and you know, some of those guys that were selected from the Big Ten. And, you know, I I posed to the uh the room, if you could draft any five Illini, who would they be? And that's kind of all it was meant to be was like, hey, you have your pick of the litter, five guys, whoever you want to be. There was no real criteria, no real rhyme or reason for it. Uh, but we'll get into that first. So uh, Brant is absent this week, but uh, his list was Io as an honorable mention. See, we said five and a sixth man, and Brant being the guy he is, gave us seven instead of six. So Brant went with Brian Cook, Darren Williams, D. Brown, Kendall Gill, and Brandon Paul as his starting five. And then he had Kiwan Garris as a sixth man, Io DeSumo as honorable mention. Plez, if you recall, you went with Darren Williams as your sixth man. Then your starting five was D. Brown, Io DeSumo, Nick Anderson, Deion Thomas, and Kofi Coburn. I went with Kofi as my sixth man. And then D. Brown, Io DeSumo, Kiwan Garris, Kendall Gill, 
and James Augustine. So I'm not asking anyone to alter their list or change their picks. I think we can all, we all have our reasons and we stood behind those. If you listened to the podcast, we explained our picks. But um, just wanted to clarify a couple of things. So this was not intended to be a best of list. It was not meant to say these five players are better than these five players and these are the greatest players in Illini history. That was not kind of the intention there. The all-time phraseology was a little misleading. That's my bad. I'll own that. I'll jump on that grenade. The intent of it was just, hey, we're going to pick five guys and rock with those five guys. It could be a game setting. It could be a championship setting, whatever. Again, it was very loose. It was not, you know, something where you had to have a beginning, middle, and end. It was just, I'm picking these five guys. And I thought that I had mentioned this on the show last week, and maybe I had cut it out by mistake, you know, in the editing process, but uh, I simply showed deference to players during my lifetime. That's just what I chose to do. Plus, I know you had some familial ties of sorts with Nick Anderson, which is why you went that direction. And I think Brant you know, kind of was on that tip with me. Like, I saw these players play. I actually have visual and oral, you know, audio memories of these players participating in actual games. So that's why he went with the guys that he went with. But I understand the all-time thing might have caused some some kerfuffle there. It, it did. And I think as not just participants on a website who write columns and do a podcast before we did any of that we were all obsessive Illini fans and these lists reflect our memories of our fandom and the people who hit us in the most significant ways yeah it 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 doesn't mean that I'm when when I didn't have you know and as an example I didn't have Kendall Gill on my list which is Stunning for me because I've been using every opportunity I can to promote the possibility of Kendall Gill's son, Phoenix, coming to the (laughs) University of Illinois and continuing the family legacy. That's a big deal for me. I met Kendall Gill at an event at St. Ignatius College Prep in Chicago, my other alma mater, where Phoenix is a rising junior. And I stood next to Kendall Gill and my thought was, this guy and I are not even the same species. Like, I am just in awe of this dude who's standing next to me right now. And... It was not meant to slight Kendall Gill. It's just the Nick Anderson story hit me in a particular way. I'm not trying to argue which one of them is a better player. They're both great. They were they were both at the center of the beginning of my college basketball fandom. So this is the direction that my list took, and I think you guys kind of had the same attitude. I can't speak for players who I didn't see play in college. I watch plenty of Derek Harper in the NBA. I watch a lot early early on in my life as a basketball fan. He was on the Mavericks, and I remember he was on those Knicks teams in the 90s. Hell of a player. I never got to see him play in college. I can say the exact same thing about known sharpshooter Eddie Johnson. Yeah, that was like, the only one I was going to go with. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to watch them as pros, but I never got to watch them in college. So while I admire and acknowledge their greatness and their brilliance, it didn't impact me as an Illinois fan. So I'm trying to separate 
the yes. two sets of experiences when I make when I made my list. And so I I can't I couldn't vouch for them as part of my college fandom, the same as I can't vouch for players who played at Illinois before I was born, before there was a shot clock, before there was a three point shot, before dunking was legal, before freshmen were allowed to play. I didn't see those guys in person, so they didn't necessarily impact my fandom, which altered how I put my list together. So I hope that the fans out there don't think that we're just a bunch of recency bias having hot take clowns because we are absolutely no such thing. We are just speaking to the things that stoked our passion for this university and this program. You hit it, Plaz. I think that's uh, perfect. I, I can't really say much more, though I will. Uh, I, I think, yeah, it, it, we're looking at what evoked our memories and our emotions, and that's what we used to make the, the choices. It was not, oh, my God, Derek Harper. Why would you put Derek Harper on this list? It was not meant to disparage any particular generation of player or uh, denigrate any uh, statistical merits that they have or any you know awards they compiled over their careers. Certainly not the case. So again, that's why I think the the all time thing led people astray. It was not us saying these are the fifteen greatest Illini of all time, and how dare you question it? We wanted people to question it. That's why we put it out. We put a graphic out saying who do you agree with? What do you think? And you know that that's absolutely the case for me. The recency bias thing is kind of hilarious, though, because when I think of recency bias, I don't think of picking players from 1988. <laughs> like, recency yeah. bias would be like, if we just picked DJ Richardson and Jalen Coleman-Lands and, you know, Myers and Leonard. And, and, Jeremy, and Jeremy Richmond. And Jeremy, Jeremy Richmond, Richmond is our sixth man. Yeah, my sixth man is going to be uh, Mark Smith 2.0. <laughs> like, that, like when I think of recency bias, I think of that stuff where it's like they played five years ago and I can't be bothered to look up clips on YouTube for five minutes. That's where, like, a lot of these takes came from. Like, I we wrote some stuff down. We, we're going to do, like, mean tweets. Like, we're on The Tonight Show or we're on uh, what, Jimmy Kimmel. He does the, the mean tweets, right? So... <laughs> just kind of kept track of some of these one of my personal favorites was a lot of recency bias here no eddie johnson or Derek harper on any of these lists like that's why if you listen to the show you know you don't know the show uh to steal a levitard reference there another one not one of you morons has kenny battle <laughs> my team would beat your selection by 20 like Okay, I get you. Um, someone was like, these are all pretty bad. Here's my five. And he had Darren Williams, Kendall Gill, Nick Anderson, Ken Norman, and Kofi Coburn. So our list was so bad that you put four of the people that were on our lists on your list. Like, okay, sure, whatever. Um, Bill Hill tweeted at us, all horrible lists, no old timers included. Sorry about uh, not having... Andy Phillip or Skip Thorin on our list. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, one of my favorite ones was AVG Joe, Average Joe 68 saying, what a joke, Gen Z trying to look like they know something. Speaking of not knowing the show, 
at all. Uh, I think, uh, Plez, you're what, 43, 44? I, I am 44, so I'm actually a Gen Xer. So, yeah, so there's actually a... Yeah. Brant is 40, and I am 37. So our combined age is like 115, something like that. Yes, all <laughs> three, all three of us. Gen Z. Yeah, all three of us are definitely old enough to be president right now. <laughs> and, and and based on the responses, it seems like it's an election year or something. <laughs> yes, I'm going to get rid of the Department of Energy and the Department of Education <laughs> and the IRS. And that's why you should vote for me. All the things yeah. I don't like or don't understand, I'm getting rid of. So yeah. vote for me, like it's <laughs> fucking sophomore student council or something. Um, anyway, I promised I'd behave. I promised I'd behave. I promised I'd behave. Um, so <laughs> um, see, a lot of a lot of a hot take. So I, I I jotted some things down just just to illustrate my point. So you mentioned Derek Harper and Eddie Johnson. We'll go with those two guys. Just just to start with. And again, you could pick like 30 names from Illinois history out of a hat and pick a group of five and you wouldn't be incorrect. Like there's no you you couldn't argue against it. Um, but Derek Harper, who was apparently the greatest Illini of all time, maybe cumulatively if you put in cumulatively if you put in like NBA stuff, which we were not doing. We were not saying this is the Illinois player with the best total resume start to finish. It was Illini players, players that played at the University of Illinois in college. That was it. Had nothing to do with pro stats or anything like that. Derek Harper had one season where he averaged double figures in scoring. 15 and a half points a game in the 82-83 season. He was a second team All-American. First team all Big Ten, a phenomenal season, a fine, fine, fine season. And led the uh, Big Ten in assists at least one of those seasons he played at Illinois. And then, yes, went on to have a 16-year NBA career. Very, very fine career. Nothing against him at all. Eddie Johnson, 17 years in the NBA. 19,000 points in the NBA. I think he's one of the highest scorers in the history of the NBA to not be in either the Hall of Fame or uh, not be named like an all-star beyond an all-NBA team. Great career. Most famously, as an Illini, hit a shot in 1979 to beat then-undefeated Michigan State, Magic Johnson, on that team. We know that that Spartan team went on to win the national title, but... Illinois was undefeated at that time as well. So a big-time shot and a big-time game. He's going to be known for that forever. Again, not discounting that whatsoever. But we do not have any real knowledge or any memory of him playing. Plez, maybe you do because it was like early 80s. So maybe you're like just starting to kind of remember that. But uh, for Brant and myself, certainly not. Um, yeah, I, I was actually born. I was I was born in 1979. Yeah, so you were so, right at like the tail end of Eddie Johnson's collegiate career. Yeah, and Derek Harper, I think, was a couple years after that. He started in like yeah. 81, I think, something like that. So, um, yeah, I was born in 85. Brent's born in 82. So we just we don't have that memory of him. It's like. But some of these are also funny. Going back to the old timers thing, you know, people were like, how could you leave off Johnny Red Kerr? How could you leave off Andy Phillip and the Wiz Kids? 
Well, I'm going to tell you why. The Wiz Kids, if you don't know, if you do a cursory Google search or Wikipedia search, you'll know. Um, that was the moniker, the nickname given to the uh, Illini teams in the early 1940s. They won the Big Ten in 1943. Possibly would have been a national championship team if not for World War II. They were unbeaten in the Big Ten in 1942-43, overall. They were in position to be a national championship team. Andy Phillip was, I think, the captain of that team or the leading yeah. scorer of that captain. team. He was national player of the year in 1942-1943. So again, an all-time great in Illini history. He was a consensus first-team All-American in 1942, so the 41-42 season. A consensus first-team All-American. Do you know what his uh, points per game total was, Plez? Considering how many points people scored at, in that era, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. I'm going to say 11. 10.0. First-team consensus All-American with 10 points per game. And this, folks, is why you don't compare eras. <laughs> because in that era, they were phenomenal players. But if you're telling me you take that guy, a 6'2 white dude from Granite City, who played in the 40s, if you take that guy over Darren Williams, D. Brown, Kiwan Garris, Kendall Gill, Frank Williams, you name it, you are insane. Like, that is rubber room stuff. So I'm not saying that they're bad players. They're historically great players for their time. And this is why you don't compare eras, because in this era, those guys are getting worked. The flying Illini beat the Wiz kids by 100. And that might be charitable. The, comparing the athletic evolution of, or sorry, ignoring the athletic evolution of the game is essentially ignoring that basketball has, has been two different sports throughout its history. You know, and, and again, there was a time when true freshmen couldn't play at all. And now we have one and done. So, we're talking about two different sports here. And as you said so eloquently, no offense at all. You could only deal with what actually happened. And these were the best players of that era. No one's doubting that. It's just, I think it's a relatively non-controversial consensus belief that the game is a lot better now than it was then. So can we agree that perhaps players today might have, might have a significant advantage over players back then? I would say yes. I don't think that's a hot take. Now, could you put Derek Harper on those flying Illini teams and have them be yeah. successful? Yeah, hell yeah, you could. Uh, could you put Kenny Battle on the 20, uh, the, uh, the 2004-2005 Illini? And 100%. One thousand percent, yes. There are players that transcend eras. There are players, you know, 
Michael Jordan would carry over. I think Michael Jordan would probably score 40 points a game in this NBA with no defense and the the jump shooting that just proliferates the game. I think easily you could throw him in that mix. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, those guys from those bygone eras could absolutely fit in and thrive in today's generation. Now, uh, you know, we talked about the draft, and this is going to sound ridiculous when you hear me say it, but just listen to what I'm saying. Bill Russell is an all-time great player, all-time, all-time greatest winner ever. He would not even be drafted in today's NBA, most likely, with his physical stature and the way he played the game. He wasn't a stretch five. He was a back-to-the-basket traditional big man. Excellent player. Not saying anything contrary to that. But if you if you stack him up and you put him in a 2023 NBA, I don't think he even gets drafted or Wilt Chamberlain or someone like that because the the generation, the era, the way they play the game is far, far different. And I, I just want to backstop this a little bit. No one here is saying that Bill Russell, the man with his work ethic, wouldn't have figured out a way if he no. were a player today to adjust. No one's saying he wouldn't have. One of the highest on-court character players in history from all that I, I understand and comprehend. But to your point about a what 6'9-ish, 6'10-ish post player who's reliant on scoring around the basket and blocking shots, I mean, Kofi didn't get drafted. Uh, the, the Bulls got Adama Sanogo from UConn, who is another player who 10, 15 years ago would have been a top five, top 10 pick. But again, the game has changed. And again, to also be fair, Steph Curry would probably not have been a top top 10 pick 25 years ago. Right. So the game, the game cycles in both directions. So let's be fair. Let's let's have an honest conversation about historical eras and who did what and understand that we're not ripping, insulting, or denigrating the good names of any player from any other era in making these lists. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself, Plez. Plez Honeywood joining me on Oski Talk this week. Uh, we're, we're starting off the show by just recapping our quote-unquote all-time Illini starting lineup. Uh, it was not meant to be that. It was just in honor of the NBA draft. We picked five guys from Illini lore that we would want on our team, whether it's a pickup game, a actual game, championship game, whatever the case is. Um Want to give a shout out to uh, Sully on Twitter. He actually put a lot of thought and consideration into this. He made like a whole AP squad out of this. He's like first team, second team, third team, fourth team. So I just want to give him some shout out here. Uh, his first team. And he said, since they all play a different number of years, he based this list strictly on their last season in Champagne. So again, did some homework. His first team was Lutherhead, Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle, Deion Thomas, and Robert Archibald. I did not expect to see Arch on the list. That was a that's a hell of a get. I love that. I think he was the like Kruger self crossover, late 90s, early aughts. Um, Correct. You see a little bit of time in the NBA as well. 
uh, the late, great Robert Archibald. Uh, second team, he had Derek Harper, Doug Altenberg, another guy that was on my list that could have been considered for one of those teams as well. Ken Norman, obviously an all-time great. Uh, James Augustine and Kopi Coburn was on his second team. His third team, Io, Kendall Gill, Brian Cook, Skip Thorin, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, and Mark Smith, the old Mark Smith from the 70s. And I always have to do a double take like, oh, right, not that Mark Smith, the other Mark Smith, the good Mark Smith. Um, and then his uh, fourth team was Kiwan Garris, Terrence Shannon Jr., Roger Powell, Marcus Liberty, and Derek Holcomb. So just want to give a shout out to Sully for not just breathing down our throats. <laughs> and you guys are idiots. What are you doing? Uh, he put some good thought together. That's a pretty good list. I like that. Um, some more of the mean tweets. Uh, some <laughs> uh, Ralph Cox Davis tweeted, Tell me you don't know Illinois hoops without telling me. That's evergreen. That I think people just say that all the time. Um, and then uh, Matt Dalton tweeted, are you guys like 20 in the first century of Illinois basketball doesn't exist? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're okay, Gen Z so though, remember. Also, when, when, someone, when someone says that we're Gen Z and that we don't acknowledge the previous century of Illinois basketball, even though there were players from the 80s on our teams, I would like to retort to that person and say, tell me you didn't go to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign without telling me you didn't go to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign because you don't know what a century is. You genius. I'd also say Gen Zers, people that like, they don't use Google. They don't research anything. They're just like, I saw this player. He played 10 minutes ago. So he's better than anybody that's old. Like that's a Gen Z take. That is certainly not what we were doing at all by any stretch of the imagination. But there was one particular reply that I think we all were like, oh, okay. And that would be from Kenny Battle, member of that flying Illini bunch, uh, certainly. Uh, he quote tweeted our uh, our graphic from the champagne room. Uh, he said, I don't agree with none of y'all. <laughs> not because I'm not on any of y'all list, but there's a lot of other Illini who's not on the list as well. I'm just saying. Now, full disclosure, I did reach out to Kenny Battle. I did invite him on the show to share his list. Again, not to demean him or denigrate him or devalue his opinion. Why in the flying would I do that? He's played at the highest level you can play at. Played on one of the best Illini teams ever. His opinion is going to carry a little more weight than mine or Plez's or Brant's. I would certainly have loved to hear his thoughts and hear his take and just hear him talk about the flying Illini because my God, we could talk about that for hours. Um, he did not, uh, I don't want to say he didn't accept the invitation, did not get a response back. I'm sure given the chance he would have uh, participated in this debate and I would have loved to hear what he had to say. And I know you would have as well, plus. Of course. I mean, Kenny, he's a legend. He's a genuine Illinois legend, not just, and who's, who's not 
denigrating us one bit. Like I think his his response was actually very respectful. Yeah. It, it was like like listen, I was there, I, I was there, I did it, and I see it differently than you guys see it. Well, okay, I would love to know how you see it. You know, he's so when when I hear a response like that, that's that's so respectful from someone who doesn't have to be. Like I, I, I have totally one thousand percent appreciated that, and I hope you do get to speak with with Mister Battle at some point in time in the future because that was again he's a star from when my Illini fandom formed. So of yeah. course, that when I saw that he responded, I, I I had to share that with you know people in my family. I'm like, look, the same graphic where my name is mentioned, Kenny Battle Talk. Did you see this? Right. And people in my world were like, dude, that's dope. Like that was the immediate reaction. So 100% on board with that reaction. Yeah. Like we're breathing the same air as Kenny battle right now. Like yeah. what? Like that's crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't deserve that. Right. Like we're not worthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think the time for that has come and gone, but in the future, if he wants to share some insight on the Illini, I mean, there aren't too many better guys you could ask. So um, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. And, and you said a very respectful take. Um, I don't mind Kenny Battle saying, look, we're going to make it come correct. I wouldn't have minded that at all. That would have been you know, pretty uh, uh, entertaining and, and pretty enlightening, in my opinion. Drew Pastoric plays Honeywood on Oski Talk this week. Uh, we're going to shift the discussion now. We, we talked a lot about our list. I think we kind of showed our work and we gave examples of, of what we were talking about. And again, we appreciate the feedback. Strong takes. Illini fans, we know they're passionate. Sometimes they've got to climb out of their hole once in a while, <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, gave them something that uh, gave them an impassioned response. So, you know, we, we certainly do appreciate the good and the bad reactions, but did want to shift to uh, something that I put together and you can read it at the champagneroom.com not talking about it because it was mine, but you know, we are at the halfway point in the year. The first six months were very eventful, very, very busy. And I, I tried my best to put together the highlights of the past six months. There's going to be some losses, some defeats in there, some, you know, players transferring and things like that. But, you know, there was quite a lot to celebrate, quite a lot to commend and recognize in the previous six months, you know, kind of starting from the first day of the year, Illinois women's basketball knocking off Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes. That was kind of the uh, the signature win for Shauna Green year one, putting her stamp on the program. Of course, we didn't know that Iowa would then go on to the national championship game so it wound up being an even more impactful victory. Um, but just starting from that and going all the way to the end of June with Mike Small, Illinois' head golf coach, making the cuts at the U.S. Senior Open. So going just from that, which happened very recently, to the start of the year with that a signature win from Shauna Green and Illinois women's basketball couple of moments really stand out to me, um, but I'll start with you, Plez. Um, what are some of the kind of the highlights for you from Illinois in the past six months? Could be any sport, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. 
Well, before I give that, I just want to make mention of this. Every every week on Ask Me Talk, you always make sure you shout out the work that people are doing at the Champagne Room and the articles that they're writing and encouraging people to go to the site and read their stories. And I know you do a lot of the macro-oriented stuff at the Champagne Room, and you do a hell of a job. And I want everyone to go to the Champagne Room right now and read Drew's piece reviewing the first six months of this year. It is excellent, and it knocked down all the major events of this past six months. There have been a lot, so a lot went into it, so thank you, first of all. That's where I, I like to start. There are two moments that really hit home for me in the first six months of the year, and they involve my, my two adopted hometowns, places I've lived in my post-college years. Uh, the first one was the one that probably everyone's going to remember. It's watching Devin Witherspoon put on that Seattle Seahawks hat at the NFL draft. I lived in Seattle for a few years, and that fan base will embrace him like no other. That is a fan base that has experience with the feisty, technically sound, tough, confident, corner who becomes a star in the NFL that fan base embraces players like Spoon and I am so happy that that's where he gets to play his trade there is talk that he might fall to Detroit I say fall that would have been one more spot down but but he he landed in the perfect place and I was so happy for an an under-recruited unknown kid shout out to Kinoto Hudson for finding him and and offering him once he became an academic qualifier and, and spoon at one of the great years in Illinois history. So that so watching him, you know, get the benefits of all the work he put in to go from 165 pounds, zero star recruit to a top five NFL draft pick is one of the great Illini stories of my lifetime. So that's number one. Uh, number two was uh, my current hometown. Uh, or city of residency, I'll say, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, on Martin Luther King Day weekend. Both the Illini men and the Illini women played here at the barn on campus at the University of Minnesota. And I was able to go to both games. I was able to witness the men's team and the women's team put up impressive, impactful victories against the Gophers. And being able to see it in person uh, this was this was actually the first time I had been to an Illini women's game ever. And watching Shauna Green work, it's just a thing of beauty. I, she's an amazing coach. And afterwards, she was kind enough to spend some time with members of the Twin Cities Illini Club. And she could not have nailed the CEO of a program role any better if she tried. She's She's just someone who I appreciate and admire and she's completed maybe the quickest gut rebuild I've seen of a college program in a long time so being able to witness that in person and then see the men's team go out the next day this was the Brandon Lee game where he played significant minutes <laughs> due, to foul, due to foul trouble against the Gophers and this was you know Dawson the Dawson Garcia revenge game so to speak and Yelena looked good. They closed it out, and it was it was an impactful victory. And so those are the two that weekend and the NFL draft weekend are the two 
cornerstone moments of the first half of the year for me. Yeah, I think those are, are pretty good. You can't really go uh, wrong or argue against that. Surprised you didn't go with Malik Elzey committing to Illinois, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's uh, that's another point. Uh, thank you, Plez. First of all, thanks for the uh, the compliment there. I was not fishing for the compliment, so to reel one in is is pretty good. Um, I, I think any memorable moment from the year, you have to include Spoon for sure. Um, highest drafted Illini since '96. Simeon Rice and Kevin Hardy went two, three. I can't even imagine that happening. Even, even if Brett Bielema gets this thing rolling, I can't imagine two Illini players going back to back in the top five. That's just insane. And they played basically the same position or at least played on the same side of the ball. Um, so yeah, Spoon getting those accolades, as you said, a zero star recruit. So for all those recruiting people that are like, Illinois is not getting any five-star kids. It's all about development, coaching, and how they matriculate through your system. So Spoon is the perfect example of moldable clay, you know, being a, a malleable player that he's raw when he comes in. He might not be there yet, but give him two, three years, he could be an absolute stud. And uh, as you said, the, uh, the, the Seahawk fans there, they know a little something about watching a, a dominant secondary for sure. Uh, I would say my my second one, I, I alluded to it before, would be uh, women's basketball qualifying for the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, that that win over Iowa January 1st, the, sort of the first moment we got to see anything Illini-related. That was before the, uh, the football, uh, the bowl game, any of that. That was the first little morsel we got, and it was a delicious morsel watching them out duel, you know, kind of go shot for shot with the Hawkeyes, one of the best offenses in the country. That win pretty much got them into the tournament. And yes, they lost in the first four. Yes, they were the first team eliminated from the field of 68. But I, I said this on multiple episodes, and I'm still having a hard time <laughs> talking about it now. Like, words can't even really describe how low the women's basketball program was like, it's hard to even paint the picture of how bad things were. And it was not just a Nancy Faye problem. The wins and losses weren't there. You have to pull the plug at some point and just say it's not working and make a change. But this goes back way before that though. I mean, she was only there five years. This was Matt Ballon before her, Joel Law before him. I mean, this was an ongoing thing. Illinois had not even been in the top 25 since 2000. I mean, this is like the turn of the century. I mean, this was a woe-begone, moribund program that had really nothing substantial to hang their hats on in the last 20-plus years. So for Shauna Green to come in and, you know, Makaira Cook, Genesis Bryant certainly helped accelerate that rebuild. but to come in year one and get this team to the tournament, a 15 win turnaround from the season before is just spectacular. And getting some more talent coming in through the portal, Makaira Cook and Genesis Bryant are back as well. Kendall Bostic is back. McKenzie is back. So you're, you're laying the foundation with these players, some of whom were already there, some you brought in. And then you're bringing in a couple of more transfers and a couple of more uh, exciting freshmen. The sky is the limit. And 
you know, she helped reignite the fire because there was a lot of, you know, oh, yeah, Illinois got women's basketball, but that was kind of it. There was nothing really to talk about. And now the Big Ten's not a bad basketball conference. I mean, you could argue the women's Big Ten was better than the men's Big Ten this year with Indiana, Ohio State, Iowa, and you know, Illinois even being included in that conversation is something that was unheard of even 12 months ago. So those are my two. Spoon getting drafted top five in the NFL draft and then the women's basketball squad making the NCAAs for the first time in 20 seasons. A lot of the players on the team weren't even alive the last time that happened. So that's, you know, we think 2003, that was like, yeah, 10 years ago, right? No. <laughs> we were still in the stage where we thought it was cool and acceptable to have Ja Rule singing on records. That's how far back it was. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, like, those are some... made that decision that yeah, it's it... okay for Ja Rule to sing. And they and he had like four number one songs. So that that, that reminds that, that's how long ago it was. And plus, I know yeah. you can appreciate that reference. I, I certainly <laughs> do. And I was I was on campus at that time. And like those were my those were my years of going to the bars in Champaign. And when you say that Ja Rule was popular at that time, you were almost understating the level to which he had taken over the airwaves. Like, you could leave one to, bar. Yeah, like, I'm trying to go back. Like, what could you compare that to now? We're talking, like, Drake level. Like Drake. Across Drake the is the best. Yeah, Drake, Drake, to me, is the best comparison. Yeah. He's a singer. Because he's a sing rapper, right? And Ja Rule got big being a sing rapper. So... I, I think that's the best comparison. Now, I, I wonder if Drake will be involved in a fire festival. Oh, wait, he did have that online gambling thing. That's right. So I guess that's Drake's fire festival. Okay, so I guess there, there's 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 a little bit of of, of uh, symmetry there. I just have one question for you, Plez. Where would I be without my baby? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so bad. Oh, man. Take that. How's that for Gen Z? Suck on that. Um, uh, Plez Honeywood joining me, Drew Pastorikonoski talk this week. Uh, so we just recapped kind of the last six months, our, uh, our top moments from the half year, uh, would recommend you, you check that out, uh, read that story and comment, you know, with your moments as well, social media, or you can go to the champagne room.com and, and comment on the article. Uh, the author is also quite handsome if I do say so myself, uh, but I digress. Uh, so we've talked a lot about Illinois stuff and that's, you know, always the, the crux of what we do here on OSCE talk. It's an Illini centric thing, but there are definitely things that kind of influence Illinois or will have an impact, even if it's not action on the field or on the court directly. Um, I know that, uh, we kind of, like to pretend that we're media and that we are, you know, of some import, even if we're not. But this goes back to the fanhood thing for a second. You know, a lot of our fandom comes from, you know, watching games or listening to games. You're used to hearing certain people or seeing certain people on your screens and love them or hate them. They just become kind of ingrained in that culture. Like, 
you know, Dickie V is a great example. Dick Vitale for ESPN. Whether you like him or hate him, you think college basketball and you think of him. There was a, a large period of time where he was the number one guy. Like that was the game. If he was calling your game, that was the most important game on the schedule. ESPN announced uh, quite a few layoffs and every media company, every major company does this. They try to, you know, cut the purse strings a little bit. They, they cinch the belt a little bit. Um, but just some of the names that were laid off this past week are, are names that we've associated with ESPN for quite a long time. I mean, you're talking Steve Young, uh, that was one of the big surprises to me was Steve Young, you know, a, a fabric of NFL coverage on ESPN for really, I think, since he retired in 2000. I think he's been at ESPN for 23-plus years. Susie Colbert, another fixture on NFL Live, NFL draft coverage over the years, and uh, was uh, an anchor uh, back in the day as well. You know, those are two of the the main ones that uh, that I paid attention to. But you look at guys like Jeff Van Gundy, who was a, a, a staple on the NBA coverage, and guys like uh, David Pollack from College Game Day, you know, guys that um, have kind of become trusted sources and guys that talk a lot about the sport. And it seems like we're getting closer and closer to just having hot take 24 hours a day, seven days a week, instead of men and women that, you know, play the sport at a high level, but can also dissect it at a pretty high level, not just talking heads, you know, bloviating day in, day out. We know sports media has gone that direction. It's not, you know, it didn't just start today. Every network has the, uh, their hot take deliverer uh, of choice. Um, but those are just some of the names that jumped out to me as far as, uh, Names that you've associated with ESPN for a long, long time uh, that will no longer be working there. Um, Plez, I know uh, we obviously watch a lot of ESPN, and they still consider themselves a worldwide leader. Um, you know, maybe as far as the live broadcasts go of the live sporting events, they might still be. Uh, but some of those personalities getting cut you know, over the years, specifically for the ones this past week, what were the ones that stood out to you? Well, you know, I, I should just say that I'm here largely doing things like this because of growing up watching ESPN and, you know, watching Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen and Stuart Scott, some combination of those three guys doing SportsCenter every night was a huge deal for me. It, it helped me realize that you can deliver sports and have fun. And those guys kind of pioneered how you successfully do that without being a clown. Agreed. And... Two people who grew up in the same neighborhood I did on the south side of Chicago, Michael Wilbon and Stuart Scott, were hugely influential in me wanting to be any part of sports media. So ESPN's always been just kind of there. This week, there were two names that just like really jumped out to me. The first one is Jalen Rose. Now, you want to talk about someone who's had like a huge evolution in their life. Jalen Rose went from being the most reviled member of the Fab Five on the court to being a producer behind one of the great sports documentaries, the 30 for 30 about the Fab Five, which was 
one of the best amazing that that they have done yeah and him him being very honest about some of his feelings about Grant Hill and hearing hearing that con- that's a that's an important conversation to be yeah. had and hearing Jalen speak about that honestly was was gigantic for him then his relationship with Bill Simmons and and Jacoby and that kind of grew Jalen's media profile over time so I, I really grew to enjoy him on NBA coverage I always felt like they would the Stephen A and Greeny would talk for like five minutes and then say Jalen quick to you and they would give Jalen Rose like 15 seconds and he would be able to make chicken salad out of chicken shit in that particular situation and I I admired his ability a lot, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, the other name for me is Max Kellerman. You want to talk about people who are experts on a topic. <clears throat> Forget this, the first take debacle. This isn't even about his radio show. Is there a better boxing guy out there than Max Kellerman? Like He is a, a true historian of the sport. And so someone as talented and as smart as he is, and I also love that he brings real hip hop sensibilities to sports. Uh, I, I suggest you check out Max and Sam Young Man Rumble. That's uh, the song he and his, his late brother Sam recorded back in the day. Max is actually a better rapper than you think he is. But as a sports media personality, he's kind of caught in the middle because he wasn't an ex-jock. He's not a dumb hot take artist. He's actually an intelligent, thoughtful guy who occasionally gives the crazy hot takes. So I wonder where he lands. He had that show IMAX on on Fox Sports back in the day. Maybe he goes back there. You know, perhaps he you know creates his own platform. I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he does as well. Uh, yeah, I did not know that about the uh, the uh, the other side of Max Kellerman. I knew the boxing stuff, but the hip hop stuff, I, I wasn't really aware of that. So that's that's interesting. Um, you kind of sensed like with with Kellerman once that morning show got axed. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, whatever the hell yeah. they called it. That was already the second iteration of that show. The first one lasted like six months uh, with Zubin. Uh, so he was just, he was a kind of a throw in there, then had his other show, and then his other, other show. Uh, so yeah, interested to see. He was the original host of Around the Horn, by the way. Yep. We're, I just, remember. we're throwing all of our Gen Z stuff at the crowd <laughs> today. These four things I know are true. He would always start the show with. It was, it was classic. You're, you're yeah. absolutely right on that one. Uh, but also uh, Todd McShay, who was doing the draft stuff with Mel Kiper, he got let go. Yeah. Um, I always thought he tried to be a good foil for Mel Kiper. Didn't get too over dramatic. Didn't overreact a lot with his assessment of players. He just you know kind of called it like he saw it there. And Lafonso Ellis to me stood out as well. Um, Local. Local guy played at Notre Dame, obviously for a long, long time in the league, and um, was on College Game Day most recently. I, I think regarded as one of the nicest people in media. I, I've not, you know, encountered him or, or dealt with him or spoken with him, but I think uh, a lot of the people that even worked at ESPN were like, "He's literally the nicest guy," and you know, mm-hmm. to have him again. You know, he did, he could do studio stuff. He could do the live stuff. I mean, I think we're getting into this weird area of media. And we've seen this even going back years and years where, like, sports outlets and ESPN's not doing this, but, like, Fox has done it before. Uh, NBC just started doing it where they would shift just from even 
written articles. They wouldn't even have articles on their websites anymore. It would just be videos. And it's like a headline is, you know, throws no hitter. And then you see a highlight, a 30 second video of a guy throwing a no hitter. And that's the story. There's no nuance. There's no context. There's no inflection points. It's just, well, people aren't going to read an article for 30 seconds. So let's just put a video up there. And it's just showing more of that shift of, uh, I'm going to throw a wrestling reference at you, Plez. You'll appreciate this. It's the old Eric Bischoff thing. Controversy creates cash. I like uh, it. Where it doesn't really matter if you know what you're saying or believe in what you're saying. It doesn't really matter if there's any like truth to it. You're just going to say stuff. If I say stuff to generate a reaction, that's all we really care about is the reaction. If I say LeBron James is the worst player in the history of the NBA, I know I'm going to get 5 million people to say, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And that's all we care about is the likes and the attention that it gets. Who cares if it's actually true or if there's anything I can use to back up my statement? I want to be the controversial guy. And as you said, Les, not that things we say aren't controversial at times. You can disagree with us, but that's not why we're saying the things we're saying. There's a difference between just an organic, oh, we're going to agree to disagree, and just saying outrageous things for the purpose of getting clout. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. You know, Skip Bayless is 71 years old. I don't really particularly care what he has to say. But he generates clicks. People argue with him. People say, I can't believe how stupid this guy is, just like he wants you to do. Um, I know Pat McAfee is taking over kind of that Max Kellerman spot. I like McAfee just in general as a personality, but I'm I feel like, yeah, you're giving Pat McAfee 40 million dollars a year, so now we have to get rid of these other guys. I feel like that's kind of where it's headed. And I think that's the reason that you know these guys got future endeavored to steal another uh wrestling reference. Well, so you mentioned Skip Bayless, so I will uh, you know, he's from Oklahoma, so and he's a big Oklahoma Sooners fan. So I will reference another famous Oklahoma Sooner from the wrestling world, Jim Ross, who likes to say, got to speak in sound bites. And that's where the sports media landscape is. It's not the thoughtful, like out, outside the lines and the sports yeah. reporters, these shows I grew up watching, that's out. That there's, there's no more of that. So perhaps there will be an audience hunger for that again in the future. I hope that there is for the sake of, young people who want to be intelligent sports talkers. I hope that there's something like that for them in the future. And also, I just want to mention, Brant will come back and harm both of us. When I when I referred to LaFonso Ellis as a local guy, I was not referring to the Chicago area. He is from the East Metro. He's from East St. Louis, Illinois. Brant, I do not want you to think that I'm trying to claim LaFonso Ellis as Chicago because he played in Notre Dame, which is closer to Chicago. But no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. So just wanted to clarify. Uh, Brant Dolce golfing this weekend in Branson. So, 
Um, want to circle back real quick, Plez. We were talking about the uh, the lineups and the reaction that we had, you know, to that. And like, we always joke about how we're the old guys at the champagne room. Like you, myself, Brant, we're like the three old heads. Yeah. And then those reactions, it's like, oh, so now we're also not old enough. <laughs> so maybe in yeah. twenty years, they can just use our cryogenically frozen heads. To, uh, to talk sports and talk about the Illini. So, like, we're, we're too old to cover Illini sports on campus because we're not students, but we're not old enough to remember Skip Thorin and Dave Downey. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we are now the Jeremiah Williams argument. Like, we, we are, like, yes. <laughs> like, everyone on both sides is trying to have their way simultaneously, and both cannot be true at the same time. Like, that's not how this works. We need a point guard, but not this guy. Yeah, exactly. He just left. Well, that's terrible. Brad Underwood can't recruit. Well, you just hated him two days ago. Shut up. That's not what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll get some more intelligent discourse from us, or we're just going to talk about Ja Rule and pro wrestling for 10 minutes. But uh, Plus Honeywood, thanks again for uh, chopping it up with me here on Oski Talk. Uh, in case you missed it or want to hear other episodes of the show, just go to thechampagneroom.com. We've got the links. We've got the episodes uh, right there for you. And uh, again, not a lot going on as far as on-field action, but uh, our our crew at the Champagne Room just doing a tremendous job of keeping up to date with uh, things that come about, whether it's a recruiting commitment or a little nugget like, you know, a team being scheduled for basketball, you know, things like that. They're always trying to keep you in the know as best as we can. So um, definitely want to give a shout out to our guys uh, at the Champagne Room as well. Uh, search on social, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, tons of great content for your viewing and listening pleasure. Plez, thank you again for joining the show, and uh, we'll talk again soon, man. Thank you very much for having me. Always appreciate it. ILL. I and I.